0: Hey guys, it's Tony Robbins. You're listening to Habits and Hustle. Crush
1: it. Hey guys, today on the podcast, we have Marissa Peer. Marissa is quite a dynamic and impressive woman. She's a British therapist, best-selling author, transformational leader, keynote speaker, and the creator of the I Am Enough movement. Marissa also created the program Rapid Transformational Therapy, otherwise known as RTT, that has been uh, award-winning. It's a very solution-based treatment therapy program that has fast, very effective long-term results. And she combines all sorts of different modalities from hypnotherapy to psychotherapy, neuro-linguistic programming, cognitive behavioral therapy, neuroscience, and neuroplasticity. Her client base ranges from everybody, from rock stars, CEOs, elite Olympic athletes, royalty, and Oscar winning actors and writers. I mean, this woman does it all. She's also a very sought after media personality and she is in every single media outlet and has been considered to be one of the best therapists in the UK. I highly suggest you guys listening to this entire episode if you are somebody who is struggling with any type of self-doubt, limited belief. I mean, this woman gives you practical things that you can integrate into your life for real change starting now. So enjoy this episode. I enjoyed uh, listening and speaking with Marissa, and um, there you have it. Enjoy. You're like a jack of all, like a, of all trades and a master of all trades. Usually you're a jack of all and a master of I none. I know that expression. Yeah. Right. And, um, you know, I saw you're a fertility specialist, a hypnotherapist, uh, a psychotherapist. You've been, I mean, you've been considered the best, uh, therapist in, in, in Britain for, I, I think it was what, like a few years back, but, um, I've really enjoyed watching a lot of your videos. I, I really loved your TED talk. I, I did my own recently as well. You did um, well done. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, I just find like a lot of the information you, what, what I love about what you're, how you, what you do is you take information and you distill it down so anybody can really truly understand it in layman's terms. You, you make the complex easy to kind of understand. So, um, I'm really happy to have you.
0: Well, I'm delighted to be here. And I'm so glad you see that because that was always my purpose. Let's make therapy and the workings of the mind simple for people because if you want to fix it, you
1: have to understand it. Right. And, you know, because lo- right when I actually, when I first watched your TED Talk, I what I, I noticed right away, which there was no, like, you don't mince words, you don't like use words like super, like super, like, uh super, super, superfluous, superfluous. yes, Lee, yes, you don't use unnecessary words, you go right into it, you're like, listen, there are four things, you know, you need to know and do in order to be successful across the board. And these are it, like, you didn't kind of even like, pretend to like fluff around anything. So can we first talk about those four things that you say are the four important things to be successful across the board, because it really gets to the meat, of the matter, and I think, uh, you know, without mincing words, you kind of really kind of put it all into nice one one little package. So, please, Marissa,
0: What are what the four are the- things you need to know about your mind in order to have phenomenal success across the board? Well, it's very simple. The first thing you have to understand is that your mind's job is not to make you happy. It doesn't care if you're happy or sad. Fat or thin, success, it just cares if you're alive. You know, we're put on the planet really to reproduce ourselves. And of course, we have way more potential than that. But from your mind's perspective, if I'm your mind, my job is to keep you alive against all odds for a limited number of years. And so, in order for me to keep you alive, I have to work out what causes you pain or pleasure. And when you say things like, oh my God, that guy, Killed me. That that client made me want to die. It was the end of the world when I got dumped. Oh, this commute is driving me crazy. I'm dying under my paper. Your mind is like, okay, my job is to keep you alive. Every time you say it will kill me if I get dumped, I'm dying on the commute. This job will be the death of me. Your mind goes. Mm-mm. Don't have a job if it's going to kill you. Don't date if it's going to kill you. Don't commute if it's going to make you want to jump off a bridge. Just stay home. How about I give you a lovely ulcer, lovely panic attacks, chronic diarrhea, anything that keeps you away from what you keep saying is going to kill you. So the most important thing to understand about your mind is that your mind's job is to do what what you tell it you want Secondly, you respond entirely to the pictures you make in your head and the words you say to yourself, which are yours to change at any time. Thirdly, the mind is hardwired, in fact, super coded to run back to what is familiar while running away from what is unfamiliar. That's a fact. But here's another fact. You can make Anything you like familiar. I mean, peeing on the toilet wasn't familiar once. Getting food in your mouth and not your hair wasn't that familiar. If you stick a lens in your eye every day, you didn't just wake up and go, let me do that. It took a little bit of practice to take your finger and ram it onto your eyeball and then squeeze that to get that off again. And so if you remember these things about your mind, it does what it thinks you want it bases it on what you tell it. The way you feel is down to the pictures you make in your head and the words you say, which you're free to change. And while it's a fact that you're wired to run away from unfamiliar and back to familiar, you can make anything you like familiar or unfamiliar for that matter. And really, it, it actually boils down to how do you dialogue with you? We're all taught, if you want a great Marriage, go and have some counseling, learn these great communications, because you want a great business? Learn how to talk to your cousin. You want to be a great parent? Listen to some genius that had to talk to your baby. But no one says, hey, how do you talk to yourself? To you go, oh, look at me, I'm just a big fat loser. Oh, that's never going to work out. That's driving me crazy. This kid is making me insane. Now your mind goes, well, no more babies for you. So, as long as you can really start to listen to your internal dialogue and then change it, that will change your entire life. It sounds simple, but just because it's simple, that doesn't mean it isn't powerful and effective beyond belief because it really is.
1: So, how does, okay, so let me just kind of delve in a little bit deeper to that, right? Because, you know, you can say something to yourself in a very shallow, uh, vapid way, right? Doesn't mean it's going to penetrate, yeah. you know, I can, I can say all day, oh, I think I'm the smartest person in the world. But if I don't really don't believe it to be the case, it means it's like hollow words. So how does someone go from having a certain belief set of who they are, like you talk about an imprint of how they believe they are to be right? and start to change what that imp- imprint really is on a on a on a true level something that's actually you know that that they actually truly believe versus just spewing out random words about yeah. themselves
0: that's a great question because many people do this thing every day and every I'm getting better and better but I'm not getting better and better I've got this little saying Every day, life's a walk in the park and the sun is shining. Well, when I woke up today and it was raining and I straightaway tread in some dog mess and I didn't really find that was real. So you have to understand a few key things about the mind because your mind can be your best friend when you understand what runs it. What, one of the things that runs the mind is repetition. No one says, hey, I went to the gym. I did 100 sit-ups. Where's my flat stomach? We understand, go to the gym every day, do 300 sit-ups, then you will have a flat stomach if you repeat a technique. And the mind is no different. You must repeat something over and over again. But secondly, you have to understand a few things. The mind only works in the present tense. You can't say, next year, I'm going to have a beach body. Next year, I'm going to be a millionaire. Next year, I'm going to find love. The mind only works. in. That's why children go, "Mummy, is it tomorrow today? Is it yesterday now? Because they don't understand. You get on a plane with a three-year-old and they go, we're there after five minutes. The mind works in the present tense only. And it really only responds to words that make like a vivid picture. So saying, I'm not thinking about chocolate. I don't think about chocolate. I'm not thinking about Cadbury's milk chocolate. Of course, you're thinking about chocolate. So you've got to Use the words and even use words in front of us. Give you an example. Let's imagine you want to have a baby and you say things like, I really want to be pregnant. I love to be pregnant. I dream of being pregnant. That's all wrong. First of all, when you say, I want, I dream, I wish, you're not saying I am, I will, I can. Dreaming, wishing, and hoping means that I have no ability to pull this off. So I just dream about it. Being pregnant, is not what you want. You can be pregnant eight times and never have a baby. You need to say, I am super fertile, becoming pregnant now, carrying a perfect baby to full term. I want love. Well, how long do you want that for? An afternoon? A week? How about for the rest of your life? And then you've got to say, I'm attracting my soulmate, someone who is perfect. I'm perfect with him. Our our worlds collide. I'm finding someone who's sparky and intelligent and loyal and kind. And and everything I love in him, he loves in me or her. So you have to really turn the mind on with exciting words. They must be exciting. They must be descriptive. They must be relevant, and they must be up. To date. It's like saying, I want more money. Well, have, what is more money? You can get $5, find it on the street. Does that mean you've got? No, you must say, I want to manifest enormous wealth by being incredibly successful, monetizing a gift, taking it to market, having the courage, the confidence, the ability to sell something unique about me because the more descriptive you make it, the more your mind goes, oh, I know what you want now I know what you want, I'll move you towards it. But often what we want, we don't want. I want love, but it would kill me to get dumped. I want success, but I could never work seven days a week. And if I was the success, my relationship would go down the toilet. I want love, but it would kill me to be dumped. So you've also got to be very clear on what you want. And when you want it, like say... You want to be a speaker or write a book or do a TED talk like you and I. You can't go, but, oh, my God, if if I went bright red, if I dried up, if nobody watered it, it would kill me. you got to keep your mind on what you want and want it so much that you don't let the reasons why you don't want it creep in. I want to ski, but what if I fall over and break my leg? You see, your mind is, a, is like a laser moving forward, expanding. The minute you add in, but what if I, I I had love and they left me? What if I had a career that I was a terrible parent? You're actually saying, you know, I don't really want it after all. Right. So, so, it's,
1: so it's the, from what I understand then, it's to be super detailed and specific yeah. with what you want and yeah. repetition are the yeah. ways to really start the, the, the process of believing yeah. it, right? Like to, yeah. to actually believe it in your bones. Um, and then, you know, you were saying something else that you just said. You said something about like up to date. What is What do you mean by having things that you're saying that are up to date?
0: Well, you see, it has to be relevant. So a lot of people say, no, I really want to speak. I want to do a TED talk. When I, when I was five, I, I tried to read in class. I tried to say the word bridge, and I said bridge, and everyone laughed at me. And I thought, oh, I'm never going to draw attention to myself again. When I was 11, my dad left and he never came back. And I formed a belief, love hurts. If you wow. let people in, they leave you. So often we have to be quite relevant by saying, look, when I was a little kid, I was dependent on that father, but I'm not now. When I was a kid, a teacher had the ability to make me feel that big. But they don't now. When I was a kid, somebody could crush my ward and go, oh, Who's gonna listen to you? Don't be ridiculous, that will never work out. So we often have blocking thoughts that are totally outdated. So they have to be relevant to you today. It's like if you listen to songs, they go, I'll die if you leave me. I can't live without you. That's complete rubbish. You won't die if someone leaves you. In fact, you'll already find someone a million times better. Once upon a time, we would die without a try, but now we can live on our own till 105. I wouldn't recommend it. (laughs) But a lot of the songs we hear are not relevant. A lot of the things we say, your school days are the best days of your life. No, they're not. It's all downhill once you get to X. You've got more chance of getting abducted by a Martian when you're 50 than finding love. When you're 35, your fertility drops off a cliff. These things aren't even true. They're not relevant, and you have to have words relevant to you. So say you wanted to have a baby at 37. What is relevant is not to go, well, you know, I've got these old eggs. They're on a cell by day. And it's all a bit decrepit. And you have to go, hey, I'm super fertile. I'm 37, and my eggs are 25 years old because we know that our body ages on its own you, For instance, if you were 40 and you ran – Your heart and lungs would be 25. Your knees and your skin, if you ran in the sun, could be 55. But your body ages on its own time, which is massively influenced by your thinking. So if you go, well, I'm too old to find love. I'm too old to get pregnant. I can't remember. You know, it's my age. I'm so tired. It's my age. You make that real. Every thought you think is a blueprint your mind and body start to work on is real. And so you have to say things like, hey, I'm super healthy. I mean, here we are in COVID, and now we have a choice. Oh, my God, there's a virus. I'm going to get it. I'm terrified of going out. I don't touch anything. I've got to uh, sanitize all my groceries. Or you could say, well, I need to be careful. I need to be smart. But I have an incredible immune system. My immune system is my line of defense. If I take vitamins, eat right, sleep right, you know, practice so, cleaning, washing my hands, I am going to be great. I'm healthy. I'm not going to live in fear, because when we live in fear, it actually has a really bad effect on our immunity. So, relevant is about you know, let's not make this about the past, and let's not go over the top about living in fear.
1: Right. So, it's about what's in. The, don't don't let your past basically uh, play your future and your yeah. or, and your present and your presence. Really. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Um, And so when you talk about familiar, how do you make familiar unfamiliar or unfamiliar familiar, all of that stuff? What is that? What are you referring to? Well, that's
0: a great question because most people don't even understand our wiring in that we need to go back to what we know. So let's imagine when you grew up, you had a very distant, absent father who didn't pay you much attention, maybe diminished you and wasn't really there. And and what our mind wants is for us to recreate what we know and give it a happy ending. So when we tend to have cold, distant parents, annoyingly, we're very attracted to cold, distant people, both men and women. Men say, I like cold, critical women. I seem to like women that are really bitchy and mean. Women say, I just go for the bad boys. You know, the ones who never call, cheat. Why do I like them? Well, because that behavior is so familiar. You recognize it. And you want to recreate what you know, but change the ending. And really life is too short to change the ending. We need to start changing the beginning. Instead of finding a cold, distant guy and turning him to somebody warm and loving, find someone warm and loving in the beginning. Uh, And you see, we can look at many people like, you know, Marilyn Monroe, Amy Winehouse, Princess Diana, all these women that had absent fathers that went for really the bad boys because that's our wiring. Let me recreate what I know. You know, if you put six sugars in your coffee and heavy cream and drink it or start your day with Coca-Cola, you actually want what you have all the time. If you stick meth in your arm or drink alcohol first thing in the morning, even though it's really bad for you, you want what is familiar. We see people who live on a terrible diet because it's familiar. Lie in the house and watch game shows. Three generations of families on welfare for no other reason than it's familiar. And we're so led to believe that, well, I can't change. And that's just not true. You can make anything unfamiliar, anything at all.
1: But then it's like, I guess there's two parts to this question. Um, to know what your habits and patterns are, right? I think a lot of people lack the self-awareness. They um, do, that's true. To even know Mm -hmm. what that is, to even be able to stop that behavior that's familiar to or and vice versa, right? So how do you improve somebody's self-awareness enough? Like what's the first step to even knowing what that pattern mm-hmm. is or what that stop is in your life to even move yeah. and, and and like pursue happiness, pursue success and get out of that sure. familiar rut?
0: Well, it's it's a great time of year because it's January and we will say, Okay, new year never eating sugar again, going to that gym every day. I'm going to be working out like a maniac, and I'm going to be working on my website, and I'm not um, eating any sugar. And we usually get halfway through and go, oh, I've blown it now, so I might as well just eat lots of sugar. So you need to take a look at, you know, if you have resolutions and goals and you're always failing, what is going on? I mean, I have many times that that's it, no sugar, no sugar, and I've gone through three months and six months with no sugar ever. Then when you have some, you think, I've ruined it now. And actually, sometimes you have to decide, okay, why don't I just say I'm gonna eat sugar once a week? Or I'm only going to eat sugar on a weekend because that's an easier thing to stick to. And now I feel like a winner. Why don't I say, I will work out four times a week. And that may just be nothing more than skipping on my living room carpet for five minutes while watching my favorite show. Because if you give yourself something impossible, I'm going to have this rigid diet, vegan, no fat, no sugar, no enjoyment, no social life, (laughs) it's too easy to break it. So it's much better to give yourself better goals. And one of the goals you could have is if you want to make, let's say you want to make love or success familiar, your goal should be to simply say every day, I am making success familiar. I'm making success, We I mean, write it on your mirror, write it on your phone so that it pings, try to say write it on your computer, put it on your fridge and start to say, I am making success familiar. I'm making successful habits familiar. I'm making success and applying myself at work and really pushing myself familiar. So think of the wording first start to repeat it over and over again, look at it, say it, state it, because it will wire and fire your mind to start moving towards that to see, okay, you keep saying you're making success familiar. I'm doing it. And that um statement says you have to take action now. What does that look like? So you have to decide to make a statement. You see, I I prefer to say statements of truth rather than affirmation. If you decide to become a vegan, you go, I'm a vegan and committed to being a vegan, it's who Bless I you. am. I've chosen to be vegan. You wouldn't go, Oh, but it's so hard not to eat bacon and oh, look at that McDonald's, when you make a choice and you say, this is who I am, I am a vegan, I am a triathlete, I am a committed, hands-on mother, I am I have my own business and I'm passionate about it, the, the actions will follow the words. So a lot of people do the action first and the words second, but it's much better to get the words ready, to start to say who you are, every day to wake up and state who you are. Like no Olympic, because I'm an Olympic athlete, I'm training, but you know what? Why don't I just stay in bed and eat Krispy Kreme donuts? Because that isn't congruent with who they are. So find out who you are, state it. And the more clear you are, and the more you repeat it, the more you'll find it is easy for you to stay on that
1: path. Well, I'm, I'm glad that was a great segue into what I wanted to ta- ask you about, which was uh, discipline, right? Cause you were talking about new year new, uh, resolutions, people repeating a mantra, or saying who they think they are, who they want to be over and over again. But, you know, and I talk about this a lot from things I do on my podcast and otherwise, but, you know, discipline is the thing that kind of drop who that the through line that kind of takes us there, right? You have to be able to mm-hmm. build that self discipline, which is very, Challenging, right? Mm -hmm. So, can you give us some ways, some steps, some strategies to build self discipline? You have to take action.
0: You know, we have this misconception. I'm at home and I'm waiting for motivation to knock on my door. And when Mr. Motivator turns up, I'm going to go out and run. I'm going to design my own business. I'm going to start dating online, but I'm just waiting for the motivation. Well, that's a terrible mistake because motivation doesn't turn up until you take action. You know, we've all done this thing about, I did not really want to clean out my closet, but you know what, I just just do the sock drawer. And now suddenly I've done, I think, well, I just do the underwear drawer. And wow, now I'm doing, I've, suddenly I'm into it. I didn't really want to go to the gym, but I thought, I'd just go for 10 minutes. I just do 10 minutes on the stairmaster, and suddenly I've done a whole hour, do you really want to have sex with my partner? I like, oh, well, you know, I might as well. I mean, <laughs> I think, well, I'm really into it now because that's what happens. When you take action, you become motivated. That doesn't mean you should have sex when you don't want to, but so often we wait and wait and wait for motivation. And we should all be taught in schools, motivation follows action. Action doesn't come after motivation. So if you don't want to work out, go, i just do five minutes. You don't want to work on the book you're writing. You think, well, you know, I just do five minutes of spell checking. I don't want to work on my business, but I just have a quick look at the font and the color of my work. That's all I'm going to do. If I just do that, then you'll find it works. And so discipline can be hard, but discipline is something that happens and, and we don't understand because a whole modern education has gone completely wrong. And what, what happens is that we, just like dogs finding a bone and burying it, we are humans who are we respond to reward. And all parents say to the kid, if you tidy your room, you can have some candy. If you do your homework, you can go out to play. And so the way to be disciplined is to think of a reward. I'm going to work on my emails for two hours and then... I'm gonna have this yummy quest bar that I'm saving as my reward. I'm gonna have this yummy coffee. The quest gonna, bar? Is, there, but, is a reward, the protein bar? It is for me because I I don't eat candy, but I find that they are just like candy. So if I yes, have to sit in the house, I would eat them all. So I have to. I'm a great believer in reward. And for you, that wouldn't be a quest bar. It could be a yummy coffee. It could be calling a friend. It could be I'm gonna have an hour now on eBay looking at all this stuff I didn't really want, but it gives me pleasure. Or for me it's I've got a show, I love this show, but the show is my reward. So I'm going to come in from work and I'm going to do an hour on my paper and then watch the show. And now when I watch the show, it's like, wow, I've earned this, I worked for this. The problem is I'm going to watch my show, have my dinner, eat my Quest bar, drink my coffee, and then later I'm going to do (laughs) all my work. And we don't do it because we got the reward first. So human beings respond really well to reward and they also respond incredibly well to delayed gratification mm-hmm. and yet no one we give people the reward up front have this do this go there have whatever you want and we don't understand that if you don't work for the reward you never feel good it's a bit like you know when you're dating someone and you just go out have a date have sex it's all great but then you think do you know, I could have dragged that out, just done the kissing first and then maybe a bit of making out and maybe waited. It doesn't mean that you should, but building the expectation makes everything so much better. Planning a lovely dinner and thinking, I'm having that then. And so all you have to do for discipline really is to think about what your rewards are every day. Is it playing with your cat or your dog or your kid or watching a bit of TV or looking at cat videos? It doesn't matter what it is. Is it having some nice food and just decide all of these things will be my
1: reward. By the way, I laughed when you said the Quest Bar because I would use that as my reward too because I don't like to eat. It's like a candy bar. That's why I was like, "That's funny that you said Quest Bar. Um, And what I was going to say that, so basically from just to kind of pick up from what you said so far was basically do the thing you don't want to do first And then and then get your reward, as opposed to what some people do, they say, Oh, I'll do that thing later on. So get that thing out of the way first.
0: They take the reward first. Yeah. So I'll summarize that. So people who are very disciplined, they leave clues all the time. Disciplined people have a couple of things that might fascinate you. One is they do what they do not want to do to get to where they want to be. They also do it first. They want to be fit, they hate running. They get up and they run first. They don't love it. They go, I don't want to do this. I'm doing it first. So you must be prepared to do what you don't want. You must be prepared to do it first. And you'd reward us. You. So I'm going to get up and run in the snow, but when I come home, I'm going to have the most yummy cappuccino and some eggs, and I'm going to have a nice hot shower. And you make everything. It's like your shower becomes a reward. Your bath becomes a reward. That sounds so simple because it is. So do what you don't want to do. Do it first. Delay gratification. Reward yourself after you've taken motivation. And then praise yourself a lot because if you work for yourself, then you're not getting praise. And praise is like a muscle. So instead of going, oh, I'm such an idiot. I didn't work out. I'm such a loser. I didn't call that client. I can't have breakfast till I call the client. And after I thought, I'm going to go, well done, you You did a great thing. Look at you. You called that client and you handled it so well. And now your mind started to link amazing pleasure to doing what you don't want to do first, to taking action, to rewarding yourself for the action and for praising yourself. And now all of a sudden, all the things you don't want to do become exciting and compelling and actually very very rewarding too so it's a system and people are very disciplined do it quite naturally doesn't matter if it's unnatural it becomes natural over time just like pressing weights isn't natural if you do it every week it becomes very natural
1: yeah i like i've heard you talk about that one point a lot the praising yourself A lot. What what is the what's the like? What are the reasons behind a lot of that? I know that you say praising (laughs) yourself. Is it because our natural instinct is to negative talk and to talk like talk down towards ourselves, and like that's where the limiting belief and that's our self doubt coming out all the time, or
0: a couple of things about praise. First of all, you know we are hardwired. To respond to praise, we all know if you have a kid or even a pet, they respond to praise. Not if you say to your kid, "Why are you so fat and lazy?" They will <laughs> not suddenly become thin and motivated. When you go, "Today, you were really good. You helped mommy in the kitchen, and I noticed you ate all that salad," they think, "Yeah, I'm going to do that again." So there is nothing on the planet that will raise your self-esteem like praise. Praise makes you grow. Criticism withers you and praise makes you grow. But we live in a world now where I live on my own in an apartment. I'm a coach. I work from home. Who praises me? Not my mom, not my dad, not my husband. I don't have one. I'm not talking about me, by the way, not my boss because I work for myself. So where do I get my praise from? And that's terribly important because while praise boosts yourself, it's your own praise. I could say to you, oh, my God, you're amazing. I love you, love you, love you but I've probably got an agenda. When I say to myself, you're amazing, I love you, there's no agenda, so my mind lets it in. So praise will boost your self-esteem. And we live in a world where we used to get praise from our boss. We went to work. The boss said, hey, well done. We lived in tribes. We lived in social groups. We had a mum, a dad, a grandmother, an auntie, a teacher to go, hey, well done. Nowadays, we have kids doing homeschooling. They don't have an extended family. Maybe they just live with a single parent. And so that praise muscle is withering and you got to make it grow. And and imagine if you've got your own business, you have a startup, you're working for yourself. Who's patting you on the back? You don't have a boss. You don't have an assessment every week. So you better be your boss and you better be your assessor. And you need to say, wow, done. This is amazing. Wow, look at you. You know, all parents will know that your effectiveness as a parent is linked to how high the self-esteem of your child is. It doesn't matter yeah. how much organic broccoli you give them. Your job is to give them high, healthy self-esteem. But that never stops. And, but you also have to give it to yourself.
1: No, I like that. I mean, you, you wrote a book called I Am Enough, right? Yeah. And so, right? And you have a whole program based around that concept, which is about building self-esteem, right? And yes. improving people's self-confidence. Um, are there other things in the program or in your book you want to talk about of other ways people can help build their self-esteem and start gaining confidence?
0: Yeah, there's a couple of things. You know, all of these things, again, are, are quite simple. The first thing is to improve your self-talk. You know, imagine you are your own best friend. You wouldn't say to your best friend, oh my God, look at you, you look fat. That's terrible, that doesn't suit you. Oh, you've made a complete mess of that. Oh, that's awful. Because if you spoke to your best friend, they'd be long gone. So first of all, be your own best friend and start your day by going, you're a great person. You're good at this, you've got this. Be your own cheerleader, praise yourself a lot. The second thing is do not let in destructive criticism. There are people around who say horrible things. I was just looking today at someone who said, oh, that Marissa Beer is a scammer. She hasn't even got any qualifications, which is very odd because I'm very qualified, but I get to choose. So I let that in or think, well, that's a sad, unhappy person. And so our choice is do not let it in. You can't change. People who are bitter and mean. Well, maybe you can over time, but your choices do not let it. If I said to you, I don't like you because I just can't go on with people who've got bright green hair. You go, well, I don't have hair. Yes, you do. And I don't like you because that's so untrue. You wouldn't let it in because you don't have bright green hair. But if you had, who cares? But if I said to you, but you're so boring and you're not very educated, you might let that in, even though it is not true. So. The only person who can make you feel bad is you. Nobody can reject you unless you agree. And although it sounds a little hard to accept, you have to accept that people can say what they're going to say, but you get to choose. Shall I let this in or not let it in? Shall I believe it? I'll go, well, clearly you don't know me. Oh, well, you know, that's your opinion. You're welcome to have it. Luckily, I don't agree. So not letting in destructive criticism. Is a game changer. Praise yourself, be nice to yourself, don't let in destructive criticism. Constructive. Hey, you're always late and it would mean a lot of you get here on time. Hey, you know, every time you do something, you never quite complete it. And that's a shame because you're very gifted. And if you could just finish it the way you started, hey, you know, I love you, but every time I make dinner and you just leave your plates on the floor, I feel uncared about. That's okay because that's saying, could you change your behavior, not who you are? And that's another point to criticizing behavior. You're a great kid, but, you know, why are you doing that? Or I'm a great person. Today I had a bad day and I snapped, but that's just a bad day. So don't define yourself by some actions you do that let you down. You're allowed to make a mistake, but you are not allowed to beat yourself up and make yourself ill because you made a mistake. And then bring it back again to how do you talk about you? You see, it's a free country. You can be the most negative person in the world. You can say, I'm a loser, I'm an idiot, I've got rocks for brains, I'm the size of a house. I'm just a train wreck. You can say all that. That's your choice, what you can't choose is what you do to your body when you do that. And if you could look inside your body and see what you do to your immune system when you talk like that, you would never do that again, ever. And you can choose to say nicer things to yourself, to be positive, not negative, to be purposeful instead of the opposite.
1: More from our guests, but first a few words from our sponsor. Well, guys, if there's ever a service that I need, it's this one. It's called Belay. And if you're like me and sometimes don't know or how even to begin to delegate your workload, and you're spending a lot of time with hours that are not productive to your ultimate goal, this is a service and a company you need to look into, okay? Belay is an incredible organization revolutionizing productivity with their virtual assistants, their bookkeeping, and social media strategist services to actually grow your company and your organizations. You know, they that you can learn how to focus on productivity rather than the profits to actually have a much more successful company, right? Belay's productivity guide is a compilation of their most tried and true resources for actually mastering time, organization tips, delegation advice. I mean, guys, this is really a great, great service. Learn how to boost your productivity and accomplish more with Belay's resource, your personal guide to a productive work week. Visit belaysolutions.com slash habits to download it free today. That's Solutions, B-E-L-A-Y solutions.com slash habits to download it free today. Okay, so basically, don't let destructive criticism in. Yeah. Constructive is fine. We talked about praising yourself. Is there anything else that people can do? Some easy tool? I think, especially now with everything going on, is there another thing they can Yeah, do to there's help? something
0: I love. You know, obviously, I'm a therapist. I've got my own method called RTT, and we train therapists all over the world. And one of the things I found, and, and I learned all of this in my own clients, is many people are waiting, you know. My dad's dead, but I'm still waiting to say I'm a good person. My teacher said I'd never amount to anything, and I'm still waiting for someone to go, hey, you're actually smart. So let's do it now. Take a minute and just think about what I call the missing bit. What are the words you've always wanted to hear? I mean, this is not rocket science. If you had an amazing mom, an amazing dad, an incredible teacher or grandmother or brother or sister who saw how remarkable you were, what do you think they would say? You know, <clears throat> we all come onto the world with a need and then here are our needs. I need to feel safe. I need to feel loved. Mm-hmm. I need to feel significant. I need to feel that you are proud of me and that I matter. So now I want you to think of the words you always wanted to hear and say them right now. No one's listening. Just look at me like I'm your therapist and say, I'm significant. I matter. I'm lovable, I'm proud of myself. And then you can go into the you, you are amazing. You're the smartest kid in the world. Look at you, you're so beautiful and lovable, you're great. How lucky am I to be your parent? You're the smartest kid in the world. I'm so proud of you. Now, it may seem a little strange, but if you imagine you've got this emptiness, it's why I call it the missing bit, we have this emptiness. We're waiting for someone to don't know, go, "Hey, you're great." But if you say to someone, "Hey, could you, could you out there come and make me feel good out?" they go, "Sure.", oh, I can do that for a year, then I'm off, I find someone younger, taller, richer, smarter. <laughs> or maybe I can do that, but I pass away, and now you're back with that unmet need. But you can meet your need to feel significant and important and lovable enough. And when you do it yourself, you no longer depend on someone else. That doesn't mean you don't want the greatest people in the world to recognize who you are, but it means if you recognize it, it is easier for everyone else to recognize it too. So think again, what are the words you would love to hear that would fill you up with joy? And then don't wait another second say them now, I matter, I'm lovable, I'm enough, I'm significant, I've got a gift to share with the world, I have a talent that I can monetize. And say them and say them and say them and they will sink in. You know, if you had dry lips, you'd put lotion on those lips and the lotion would nourish them. Sometimes we have a bit like what I call a dry soul, and we need to nourish that with words. And in the same way, your mind doesn't go, hey, is that lotion organic? Is it fair? To you? Because it doesn't matter. I got it free on an airline. It's still nourishing my chapped skin and words and nourishing too. And the mind doesn't go, hey, who said that? I thought you wanted your dad to say it. it your mind doesn't know, and it doesn't care who says the words. It only cares that those words sink in and start to heal you from the inside out. So don't give someone else a job of making you feel better. Give yourself the job. Other people will come along and enhance you, but your job is to make you feel. I have women who say, you know, my husband doesn't make me feel sexy. You know, that's not his job. It's your job. I don't feel orgasmic. Well, decide to feel orgasmic. We would give everyone else these jobs of making us whole, and while it's a lovely thing to find someone that completes us, you have to be able to say, look, I can do it, and then it just makes life so much easier.
1: You know, there's been a, bu- a bunch of research about something that we, we were just saying uh, about the fact that your brain cannot decipher if something is actually imagination or real. Yeah, that's so true. Right. So, So, and this is exactly to the point that you're saying, right? Like if if you're saying it to yourself, your brain can't decipher if it's your mom saying it or or yourself, as long as it's getting that information, it doesn't make a difference.
0: So, if you say, I'm the smartest businesswoman in the world, I'm the best athlete in the world, I'm the best mom in the world, your mind will actually start to believe that Mm -hmm. But you see, so often we don't know that, and we say the opposite, I'm the worst mum in the world, I'm the worst cook in the world, I'm the most ineffective coach in the world, in the same way your mind believes it. You see, your mind doesn't know or care if what you tell yourself is right or wrong, useful or useless hurtful or helpful, it lets it in. So you might as well tell it great things. And, you know, as a therapist, I realized very early on with my clients because I said to them, you know, you're very suggestible. The ones that I said that to would become very suggestible. I might as well say that to all of them. It's actually not a lie because human beings are suggestible. And also to do it with kindness. So if I had someone who was morbidly obese, I'd say, you know, this is fascinating. You're so... Suggestible, you've told yourself all these years, I can't leave food on my plate, and I'm just bigger, and I, I can't lose weight. And you've made that real, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Your power to give yourself that suggestion. And now let's turn it around and just say something else I have a fantastic metabolic rate, I burn off food, actually, I really prefer eating healthy food. And if you say it and say it and say it, it becomes real. Your words form your reality. If you don't like your reality, which many of us don't, you need to really start changing your words.
1: Yeah. What, can you talk a little bit about ra- Rapid Transformational Therapy, which is yeah. your program? So how is that different than traditional therapy that people see do? I'm sorry.
0: Always? Well, I was always a little... Um, surprised at traditional therapy. I've always had a very inquisitive, inquiring mind. I always look at stuff and think, no. When I was trained to be a therapist, my very eminent teacher told me something. He said, the mind is very complicated, and it takes a lifetime to understand the workings of your own mind, and then you need a second lifetime to practice. I'm thinking, that just can't be true. How could that be that... You're given this brilliant mind that takes a lifetime to work out and then a second lifetime to apply since unless you're a Hindu, you're not going to have a second lifetime. And so I challenge that. And and then I challenge the whole concept of therapy because there's no other model that says, bring me your pain and we'll discuss it for years. No doctor says, hey, let's have a discussion about your broken leg. And when you've built up trust with me, I'll fix it. No dentist says, yeah, you've got an impacted wisdom tooth. We should have a conversation about that. If we wait and stay at 4 o'clock while all that bacteria leaks into your heart, and then when you trust me, we'll start to hopefully make you better. And that's not to criticize therapists who are, by the way, good people. But it's a very strange model because it doesn't offer – fast treatment. When we go to ER in pain, we go, can you make me better? We don't get and have a conversation about this and turn up every week. And so I thought, well, therapy should be the same as every other medicine. It should take away your pain as fast as possible. And whether you have a broken leg or a cut or a headache, or whether you have a fear, or a phobia, or an addiction, you should be able to get rid of the pain really fast. So, a lot of people think rapid and therapy don't go together. I think they do. So, I created a therapy that was much faster, that was looking straight away for why, and all our therapists understand that they wear three hats. The first job is to be a detective. A detective is looking for clues. Oh, here you are with, um, asthma or dermatitis but you didn't have that until you're 11. What would have gone on 11 that would give a normal happy kid contact dermatitis or extreme asthma or eczema? Why did you suddenly become obese? What happened to you that gave you this fear, this phobia, this start of this stammer? Because we are not born with any of those things Was I've always bitten my nails. Nope. You didn't have any teeth until you were 18 months old, so that's not possible. I've never been good with attention, really. The day you were born, when everyone looked at you, you put the blanket, you just said, look at me, I don't like it. That I can't leave food. Babies, you cannot make them eat too much. They just throw it all up, or they put their hand out and clamp their jaws together and turn away. So we have a belief, I've always been this way. That's not true. I can't change. That's not true. So our TT very quickly finds out why and how and where you got to be the way you are, not in years of therapy, and in, in, usually in the first session. And then you go from being the detective to being the dentist. You take out all that toxic, toxic beliefs, limiting beliefs, blocking thoughts and then you become a coder and you start to wire in and fire in a whole new belief system. And you do all the three things together. It's not like session one, where we'll get to know each other, session two, we'll talk about your background, session three, a bit more, session four. No, let's find out why. So people come in with money beliefs. You know, I, I can't make money. I can't keep money. I can't seem to get money. And often they've gone back to a time in their life when they heard their parents say, oh, oh, rich people have sold their soul to the devil. People who ask for money are greedy. If you have more than anyone else, they won't like you. Keep it to yourself that you know we're wealthy, because people will just turn up and rob us. Or, you know, one of my clients said her grandmother used to come to the house and she'd fold up a five-dollar bill and give it and say, Don't let your sisters know they won't like you if they know you have money and they haven't. And that money gave her tremendous guilt. Every week, her grandmother, who loved her, would give her and only her the money with a message, nobody will like you if they know it's a secret. She began to feel ashamed of all these $5 bills in a shoebox under the bed. Now all these years later, she has this fear, if I'm successful, nobody will like me. I've got to hide money, pretend I haven't got any. I feel bad about having money. Now that's a blueprint. So. In our TT, we uncovered that limiting belief, and then we removed it. That was her grandmother's belief. The grandmother shouldn't have done that, actually, but she did. Nevertheless, that wasn't her belief. We removed it, and then we coded in a new belief. You can have a huge amount of money, and if you do good things with it, which when you have a huge amount of money, by the way, all you can do in the end is good stuff when you've got so much you start to form, like like Oprah Winfrey, you start to form charities and children's schools in Kenya, like Madonna having the the school in Malawi. So, having a lot of money isn't a bad thing, because when you have really a lot of money, you actually end up doing really good things. Like, we have an amazing business, and as it becomes more successful, we're starting to do scholarships and give people scholarships to train with us, especially. We're now looking at black guys, there's not enough black men who are therapists, and there should be. So particularly taking that group and saying, we will give you free training to go in the community and help these young kids of 17 who don't have a dad and don't have ambition and often are looking at going, I was talking to Wycliffe Jean a couple of weeks ago it was on a call I was on about this song he did, and this is for my brothers, for on the inside, and this is for my brothers on the other side, because when you come from, where I come from, you self crack, or well, you sell rack, I and mean, if you sell crack, you go to jail, you go to heaven. And so when you have money, you can do good things. And so with her, it was, okay, find out this limiting belief because most people, I don't know why I feel like this. I guess I'm just messed up. No, something happened. Find it, remove it, replace it with something better. So RTT is about um, interpreting what went on investigating what went on interpreting it interrupting it and installing something a million times better all in one session and that's why it's incredibly effective
1: that's all in one that's you can get all of that in one session <laughs> yeah i mean obviously we do i mean like if somebody came in and said i i i can't fly
0: on an and i bite my nails i'm scared of birds we do the all in one session if somebody came in with depression or with Anorexia or bulimia, then it would probably be three sessions. So it, it, it isn't always one session, but for many things like infertility, I mean, the amount of women I come in, come in and say, I've got unexplained infertility. Well, even that expression unexplained means everything's perfect. You see, if I had blocked fallopian tubes, I've got explained infertility. When it's unexplained, it means everything's great. Your womb's perfect, the loganess is perfect, ovaries perfect, husband's sperm perfect. But somehow you can't get pregnant. And that's because people go back to these things. I thought I was pregnant when I was 15. It was terrifying. I had a termination when I was 17. I felt so guilty. My mom was so unhappy with baby. I thought, I don't want to be like her. I watched a show about someone giving birth and screaming their head off. Oh, I never want to go through that. And so... That's very simple. Go back and unpick the beliefs, get rid of them, replace them with something better, and you can always do that in one session because it's so simple. But we don't do everything in one session. Many of the things we work on require three, but they don't require 10 or 15 or
1: 20 ever. What are… what are, um that's interesting. are you taking from different modalities that you because you used to be you used to do hip, uh, hypnotherapy yeah. right so what, what is that what's the the crux of that like how why does it work and it, does it does it depend on who the practitioner is for hypnotherapy no well hypno, you see RTT is hypnotherapy I mean what
0: I do is I oh it is the hypnotherapy okay therapy and I've and we call it hypnotherapy on steroids or beyond hypnotherapy. So, a lot of RTT is hypnotherapy, not all of it. Certainly, the recording is and the going back is. So, it does involve hypnotherapy, but it's just it's just more efficient. So, uh, hypnotherapy is great. I love hypnotherapy. One of the things we do in RTT is when somebody goes back, let's imagine you… You can't resist cakes, you'd love to resist cakes, and every year there's no cakes, and yet you're addicted to cakes. And you go back and discover that your grandmother used to come over every Saturday and make you cakes, and you felt so loved, or your mom was super busy, but on the weekend you'd bake together. Maybe she'd take you out for candy, or maybe you only saw your dad once every but he took you out for candy. And when you're a small child, you you, you don't understand what I call tagging, that you start to tag, oh, that makes me feel loved. That makes me feel good. No one says, when I'm depressed, I need celery or lettuce. They say, so when I'm depressed, I need cookies and milk or macaroni, cheese, all the foods we had as an infant that made us feel good. You know, when you're a baby and someone shoves in that warm, milky, creamy stuff, Everything's right with the world. You feel safe. You feel loved. You feel significant. And so we go for that sugary, creamy, milky stuff. No one says, Oh, I need grilled trout. I'm having a bad day. Then I need hot chocolate and cappuccino and muffins. So it's all overeating as an act of regression. I want to be that little baby. So I want the baby foods that made me feel good. I mean, my generation would never go, I'm depressed, I need sushi. But my daughter's generation would see that as a comfort food because that was a huge treat Mm -hmm. for her to go out for sushi. My grandmother would have said, raw fish? Are you kidding? She would have liked apple pie and custard. (laughs) Right. <laughs> and so, since it's an act of regression, what RTT does is it uses regression to uncover why. Why do you do this? When did it happen? And it's so powerful because the minute the client goes back to the scene, they then have to go, oh, but that's not me. So, i give you an example. I worked with a girl who'd been bulimic. She'd had 40 sessions of therapy, still bulimic. And she used to hide food and eat it in secret. And then in the session, she told me that her father left and it was a very bitter divorce, but he would put chocolate bars through the letterbox. The mother was not there. She worked during the day and she would be able to get this chocolate and she would hide it. And she felt the chocolate is proof he loves me. The chocolate proves he remembered me. He didn't see her much because it was so bitter, but he could put candy through the letterbox when he knew she was home and the mother wasn't. In that hour between three and she came home from school at four, mother came home at six, that so he would leave it for her. And now, all these years later, her thing is when the husband leaves the house, she runs in the kitchen and eats all this chocolate because she's trying to feel love. And when I said to her, okay, you know, that's the only way your dad knew how to love you, and you were five, but now you're 32. And chocolate isn't going to make you feel after your husband said, hey, for your birthday, I've got you lots and lots of chocolate bars. You go, well, I don't want that. Hey, for Christmas, I bought you some Hershey's. It's like, no, I don't want a Hershey's. I want a diamond or a nice pair of jeans or a jacket, but chocolate. I don't want chocolate because I'm not three. And so they have to then state in hypnosis, that's not me because – Now, I had a boyfriend many years ago, and every time we had a fight, he'd go, do you want a cookie? I'd go, no, I want lots of things from you. Believe me, a cookie is not (laughs) one of them. But then I met his mother who'd go, oh, you need a cookie. And so I saw how she wired him to believe a cookie could solve any problem. And it's it's about the, the perfect combination of identifying why you do it and at the same time ending it. See, many people go, I know why I drink, but I still drink because I come from a family of Irish alcoholics. Other people try to end it without understanding why, and you have to do both at the same time. Find out why and end it. Finding out why is great, but without the ending, you still do it. Ending it without finding out why is not enough, but when you do both together, it's extraordinary and so powerful and is permanent, which is what everybody wants, permanent change, because I can go, oh, gosh, I never knew that for 30 years I've done that because of that. You know, another client I had who couldn't ask for money was telling me that her parents are both doctors, but they divorced, and the mother had more money than the father. But every Saturday when she saw the dad, she go, ask him for money, tell him you need a school coat, you need a school trip, you need this, and we haven't got the money. She said, you know, I say to my dad, oh, I, we need this money. Suddenly, he knew it was a lie. And he'd look at me so sadly. But he'd give me the money because he knew what my mother was like. And I remember thinking, I would never ask for money again ever. When I get older, I'll never ask anyone for a cent. And that's exactly where she was. She didn't even bill her own clients because of that decision she made as a child. I will never. Ask for money. And so then you go, well, look, you made a decision when you were seven with the life experience of a seven-year-old. That's fine, but you're not seven now. And it's not about beetles and It's about saying, look, when you've been on the planet for seven years, which is nothing, you made a decision which made sense to a seven-year-old. But it doesn't make sense to a 32-year-old. And now you can stop that. And that, that in itself is, is amazingly powerful for patients who think, okay, so I don't ever feel bad about doing that. I just have to realize it's outdated. You know, if your computer got a bug, you call an expert and they upgrade it. Well, often our minds have a bug and no one says, hey, why don't I you upgrade your whole mind, which is slowed down with this bug by taking out the bug? So it's about upgrading your thoughts, your beliefs, your feelings, and your potential and it always works.
1: No, I think that's great. It sounds to me, though, from everything that we've talked about, so many things are from our childhood that becomes why we act the way we are as an adult as well. There's so many bugs or yeah. that's where the imprints come from. Yeah. And then, like, what what is the strat? What, like, We talk about what it is, your therapy system. But so how do you create permanence from that? Like people tend to... Do something for a finite period of time. Yeah, and it's very easy, you know, to figure out what it was, and then to act differently. But to make it a permanent change is what really yes, yeah. and the difficulty. That,
0: that's such a great question because that's why you know the the session is let's find out why you do this, let's completely change it. But the third part, the being the code and making the personal recording for the client that has their name on it. Hey. Susie, by the way, Kevin, and as you listen to the re- this recording, Terry, every time you listen to it and you start to describe who they are, you love saying no to candy. It thrills you. You love refusing a cigarette. It delights you. It delights you. It thrills you. It empowers you to go out with friends who drink and say, you know, no, that's not me. I'm, I'm done with that. So, you describe on the recording who they are thrills you to speak on stage. It excites you to, to talk to people. It elates you to attract love and to know that you're absolutely lovable. Every day you're becoming super fertile. You have grade A premium eggs and they're attracting grade A premium sperm, whatever the client wants. But the recording… So it's repetition
1: and self-talk.
0: Yeah. The recording, it's two things. The recording must be exciting. It must excite the imagination, turn the mind on again, be relevant to that person. And they must play it every day for three weeks. And, again, the relevance mm. that word, if you have a generic recording, every day in every way you're getting better and better. It's not the same as having a recording that says your name, that describes your behavior, that says who you are, where you're going, what you're becoming. You know. When I was having my baby, I made myself a recording, and I played it every day for a month, and it said... You know, you just push that baby out and it's so easy. The long muscles contract, the round muscles relax like a symphony. I found her birth extraordinarily easy and it was one of the best days. In fact, one day she said, me, Mommy, what was the best day of your life? And I drew a picture of the day I gave birth to her because I trained my mind to be excited about birth, to go, this is easy. You know, people who live on farms give birth much more easily than people who don't because they see it as a natural process. So whatever you want... You have to make sure that your mind knows what you want, knows why you want it, believes it's possible. Those three things are important. Why do you want it? Do you believe it's possible? And a lot of people say, oh, that'll never work for me. I'll never be able to do that. Who's going to listen? Who's going to want me? But when you play the recording over and over again, your mind goes, oh, I know why you want it. I know it's possible. And it's so clear that I'm going to make it real. You know, Roger Bannister, I think it was in 1957, was told nobody could run a mile in under four minutes. It's just not possible. And he broke that down. And he broke it and he saw himself in his mind running a mile in just under four minutes But what happened with him is not only did he do it, that same year, 10 people did it. The next year, 40 other people did it. And now it's totally possible. So when, when you move towards your potential, it expands and it expands again and again and again. And when your mind moves to a new dimension, it never, ever, ever goes back again. And so it's really about wiring into the mind the potential of you because everyone out there has incredible potential. You know, there's a great story I loved in the UK of policemen finding these kids in the street with half a tennis ball. This is called stop and search. And they were stopping and searching gangs. And they kept coming against this half a tennis ball. And then one of the kids said, well, if you take that tennis ball over a Mercedes and whack it, it disables a locking system of the most expensive car in the world. Now, that's genius thinking. Of course, those kids should be working for Mercedes rather like in that movie, Catch Me If You Can, that guy is now working for the FBI. Yeah. So even if your potential is to be some kind of genius at, at breaking locks, that should be recognized. In fact, I recently <laughs> read someone who said that there was an ad in the paper saying we're looking for an ex-burglar to help make our homes more secure. And he said, I couldn't believe it was real, but I applied to it when I got it. And I explained to them all the things I did – To get into homes, and I'm working making houses because of my knowledge of breaking through locking systems. And so that's actually a good thing that we see some people as gifted, everyone has something to offer the world. And if you can believe in yourself, it inspires you to expand. But you see, when you're expanding, like say I'm expanding forwards. And one of the things that makes me expand is praise. And you go, hey, Marissa, I love you. People are going to go, oh, it's rubbish. wasn't actually very good at all. I don't know how I wrote that. Did you notice chapter three was terrible, full of spelling mistakes? Now what I've done is I've contracted. And I said to you, hey, I love that top. Oh, my sister gave it to me. It's five years old. Now you've contracted. So you have to be all about expanding, 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 expanding. And when someone says you're great, don't go, oh, you too? Because you've just given it back. Say, thank you so much. That means so much to me that you love my book, my kid, my home, my cooking. You can later say, by the way, I love your skill, but don't do it immediately. Be all about expanding your potential, your ability to let in praise, to be nice to yourself, to reject and keep expanding forwards And if you keep focusing on the expansion, you can't then go into the contraction, going back to what's familiar. Focus on expanding to the
1: unfamiliar, and it will become easy. That's great. I like that. Um, I want to ask you one more thing because it just goes – dovetails this thing, and then uh, I can – we'll wrap this up. But now we know what we should do uh, in that way. What are some of the toxic habits we do to – uh, what are the, some of the toxic things that people do to become un, to be unsuccessful to kind of keep themselves down? Are there a, a few that you know? Yeah, noticed? many things. You know, eighty percent of
0: success is mindset, which is quite yes. extraordinary. But eighty percent, and so people have these beliefs. Well, I don't come from money. I didn't go to college. I didn't have a dad. My dad wasn't smart. My whole family. Have always just worked in a factory. So, who am I to go any further? I'm not thin enough. I'm not tall enough. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not smart enough. It's the I'm not enoughness. I'm not smart enough, interesting enough, compelling enough, attractive enough. And I love the fact that today, at last, in England, we have an amazing model called mm, – her name who, – who's got Down syndrome. It begin, is it Marilyn? Madeline, and she has Down syndrome. Rupert Friend from the homeland, his wife, Amy Mullins, the Olympic athlete, has no lower limbs. There's an incredible model for Gap who's got vitiligo all over her face. Oh, so, yes, yes, yes. But she's beautiful. And finally, we're starting to look at people – are not perfect, going, wow, yeah, that's right. You know, no one says to Kevin Hart, well, you're too small to be a comedian. No one, well, they did say to Danny DeVito, you're too small, you're not attractive enough. And we're finally breaking through that mode. I've got to be six foot, and look like I come from Sweden to make it in the world. I've got to be thin with blue eyes and blonde hair. That's all changing. We're looking at people who are flawed and saying, yeah, I want to be like you because we're a flawed people having flawed relationships with flawed people. That's the best you can ever be. So the fastest way, is stop trying to be perfect. Don't fight to be thinner. Don't start injecting stuff in and snipping bits out to make you better. There's nothing for you to take away or add on in, unless it's um, your confidence and just believe that you're enough. The universe that put you here gave you a talent, and you can be anything, go anything, do anything, because the world no longer looks at perfection. We now have so many flawed people, and we like them because they're like us, and all those people who try to be perfect felt Very inadequate. You know, we saw Britney Spears in public having a meltdown because of the pressure to be perfect and never eat a cake to expect to always be super skinny. It's not real. Just be you, be yourself because you are enough. So, the most powerful way to have an amazing life is to go, I'm enough. Join the I'm enough movement. Follow us on Instagram and YouTube and know that you're enough, because when you know you're enough, it doesn't mean you sit on the sofa eating cakes, it actually inspires you to go out and have more, because we all have so much to offer, we're all different, and don't compare yourself to anyone. You know, I tr- I've trained 6,000 therapists, and so you don't have to be me. Some of you will be better than me, way better than me. So I've been doing it for 33 years, and you're brand new, and it's exciting for you. But you don't have to be me. You have to take my method, follow it as you, and you'll probably be even more successful than I am. And some of them, that's already happening for them. And, and I love that because it's about being yourself, recognizing yourself, being your own cheerleader, and then going out and giving something amazing to the world, which we're all able to do in a different way.
1: I love that that the, I think we all get stuck in that trap of comparison, right? We look at somebody else's situation and we always think the grass is always greener until you see the water bill, as my mother would say. Yeah yeah. but um, no I think this is all great stuff. Where could people find more information about you and your programs and tell us where we find you? If you go to marisapayer.com,
0: we have a ton of totally free stuff. We don't ask for your credit card, but we have free, um, audios on love blocks, health blocks, wealth blocks, success blocks. You can take them for you or for anyone else that would like them. They're completely free. So that's Marisapeer.com. If you want to know how to, to train with me and do what I do or find someone who's been trained why me, go to rtt.com. And
1: if you want to join the I Am Enough movement, go to iamenough.com. I love it. Well, thank you so much. It's been a great, this has been great talking to you. And uh, I really appreciate your time on this podcast. Well, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I've loved it all too.